1: Necessary Roughness. With 11-year NFL veteran,
0: Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL
1: veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the
0: Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, the Lions have their best start Best 12 games start at 9-3 and three since 1962, and that year they started 10-2. and two. TJ, you were down in New Orleans. I know that, again, we've talked about this time and time again this year. No matter where it is, Lions fans travel. Um, it was a sea of Honolulu blue and silver. What was it like down in New Orleans?
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, you nailed it. It was... Uh... Ton of Lions fans, and you can tell early in the game, Lions fans were there kind of watching the pregame warm ups, and you're like, okay, this is not filling out very fast. Uh, but by the time the game started, um, you know, we felt the same as like the Tampa game, probably the LA game, where it honestly almost felt half and half. And I don't know if you could hear it, uh, you know, watching the TV or maybe on the radio, but. Um, every single play, you know, the, especially early in that game when the Lions were scoring and getting turnover. I mean, it was so loud in there. It was awesome. It's been uh, it's been incredible. We obviously know New Orleans, you know, when the schedule comes out back in May, a lot of fans uh, this time of year are looking for any excuse to get out of the cold weather and go, go to the town Yeah, road. go to the Big Easy and, uh, you know, go go make a weekend out of it. Um, go Friday night. Saturday night. Saturday oh, night guess, we did. Yeah. So that Sorry, was my you're an NFL guy. Yeah, I that, that was chance. my <laughs> first that was uh, I went out Friday night too, just not in Louisiana. Yeah. Um that was my first time being in New Orleans without playing. Oh Berber so Street? yeah, I had a chance to uh, uh you know go uh can't remember the name of the restaurant, but got some uh you know some, some Emeralds? Some, no Drago's, I want to say. I don't, I don't remember. Know, I don't yeah, know. The, you, the, honestly, you can pick a warm place No, me. I mean the seafood was incredible, everything we had was great, and then um you know walked on down to bourbon street just wanted to get the experience and uh, even saturday night you got a feeling that uh it was about to be a takeover from lions fan because there was a whole lot of blue walking around bourbon street and um (laughs) it was fun man that's a cool spot i was i was at a bar you know getting a drink and the guys like, you want to and i'm like to go yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Put it in a yeah, pass. You can down go. Down, you can go anywhere, man. you walk this out. I'm like, oh boy, that's dangerous. But um, <laughs> it was fun, man. It was fun. And, and the bottom line is, these fans are showing up on the road because this team's good. You know what I mean? That's what's making these these travel. And it's almost like the Lions fans are like taking pride in the fact that they're invading oh, opposing team stadiums. Like they're they're wearing that as a badge of honor. And it's almost like. It's almost like a challenge to the rest of the Lions fans out there. Uh, How many stadiums can we completely just take over and dominate in this league? Because that's a, that's a dejecting final home game. And you look up and it's like 40, 50% the other team's fans. I mean, that is like, you kind of get a little embarrassed uh, that your fans can't even show up to support you. So, um, you know, it's, and the players love it. We talk about all the time. they talked about it again yesterday that, uh, you know, it, it definitely gives them a, a little bit of an energy boost and you know adrenaline boost. I mean, you look up, you see the blue. Yeah, man, that's great. You're, you don't don't feel like you're in enemy territory when you when you see a lot of a lot of your own you know up there supporting you. So, uh in contingent down there in New Orleans, um, I'm sure Chicago. We're probably going to see a, a whole lot of blue again. That's a short drive for a lot of people. It is, but here I was,
0: I'm, I was surprised, Green Bay, like division opponents, <laughs> to see you know, at a place like Lambo, cause obviously you started your career there to have that many tickets sold to lions fans. Seems surprised. I kind of thought like, well, Chicago, Minnesota at that time might be different because they may be out of it, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's still a division opponent.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, weird. I mean, I played in Lambeau for eight years and can't remember too many games where, you know, was there, there was a whole lot of other fans, uh, in that stadium. Um, I think that might be just be, I don't know, just the demand that Lions fans have right now uh, going to watch their team and, and, and trying to be a part of uh, what a lot of us think you know could be a special season. So, um, you know, Chicago is one of those stadiums that normally doesn't get, uh, you know, overridden by, uh, you know, opposing teams fans. I mean, they usually have a pretty good home crowd. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, with them kind of sitting at, what, three and eight?
0: Right. You know how many
1: of their fans are going to show up? Lions fans probably thinking they want to go uh you know watch a division game and Chicago's always a cool town but we'll see we'll see this weekend man but that's been uh it's been incredible man. Coach talks about after every game just how impressed he is with with the ability of these fans to travel and show up cuz it uh, it makes a difference. It so does.
0: Let's talk about the product on the field. And obviously that's the most important. It's fun that, that Lions fans get a chance to travel some of these great places and that they have a reason to travel. 9 and 3. And no turnovers in this game. Obviously, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Chicago, three interceptions, put you behind the eight ball. They were able to come back, but but last week, the Thanksgiving Day game against Green Bay, it was a huge disappointment with laying the ball on the on the ground three times. And it's going to be a huge part moving forward. No turnovers results in a win, and they were able to capitalize on New Orleans turnovers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what we saw yesterday is a perfect example of how this team needs to win. Taking care of the football, man, run the ball, control the clock. Uh, You know, defense be good enough. You know, to to give yourself a chance to win. you know, starting off twenty-one nothing. You know, in the first like eight minutes, whatever it was, was like, holy man, this might be ugly, right? Yeah. Uh, you knew that the Saints had some fight in them. I mean, they're still a team that's—they were tied for their division lead going into yeah. yesterday. It's not like they're playing for nothing. They're not Scratching playing for, the draft for playoff, playoff. Yeah, playoff. they're playing to still make a make a run at their uh, at their division title. Uh, you knew they were going to bounce back eventually, which they did. Um, but yesterday was a perfect example of how this team needs to play uh, from here on out taking care of the foot. And it's good to see that, you know, last week there was a couple callouts. call outs. I mean, you could tell the coaches, you know, in some of their media availability were kind of made it a point to, uh, you know, let the expectations be known for some of the guys in that building. Um, Josh Pascal being one of them, I thought he, he had a much better game yesterday, was more active in the run game and had a few nice pass rushes, even on Bruce Irvin's big hit that knocked Derek Carr out uh pascal had a great rush on a little te stunt and freed up uh bruce to come on the inside and get that hit um jonah jackson good to see him back on the field you know coach kind of challenged him a little bit last week and he, he said uh you know i'm not expecting jonah to play until he tells me he's gonna play and you look at that and you're like whoa like, <laughs> i think he's yeah. he's kind of sending a message with that one so to say but and then the areas of emphasis that they kind of hit on right obviously we got to take care of the football. We can't turn it over. And defense, how do we find a way to manufacture some turnovers? I know the turnovers uh were a little bit probably good luck on a you know, the at least with the with the fumble. You know, Derek yeah. Carr kind of bouncing the ball off the left guard. Well, even
0: um, the interception,
1: it was it was tough of tight end's hands. And you know what? I mean, you go back and watch that play, and and Jack Campbell's right there. I mean, it looks like he's ready to lay a big hit on the tight end, and that tight end probably felt that, right? So that's also a part of the it wasn't just a drop in the open field. I think you felt the the impact coming and that's why he kind of gator armed it a little bit off the tip. But you know what the bottom line is you still got to make the play. Brian Branch made the play and, um, you know, and then they were able to recover the fumble uh, that Derek Carr kind of uh, snafu'd on the, on the center uh, quarterback center exchange there. So it's good to see, you know, you talk about it all week, the things we have to do, the things that we're putting a point of emphasis on. And it's good to see that show up on Sunday, right? Because you can talk your ass off uh, what you got to do, what we need to do. It doesn't matter until you, what happens on Sunday. The fact that they were able to go out there and do that and then look, getting the 14 points off of those two turnovers. I mean, that's the difference in the game. Right. That's the difference. You're settling for field goals there, uh, especially early in the game. You're you're not feeling as good about yourself as as if you're able to punch it in, which they were able to do. So um was it, you know, disappointing that they didn't blow him out? I mean, I don't know. I don't really care about style points at this point of the season sitting here in the first week of December I care about winning the football game and that's what they were able to do they hit a couple lulls and we know that look when it's just kind of human nature when you go out and you get a big lead you don't expect I'm not in the NFL I don't think you've ever expected to go out and just blow a team out from start to finish right we've all been a part of those games, but that's not in your mindset. You're not expecting that. It's a rare occurrence. We're going up twenty-one nothing, and then we're going to keep the foot on the pet. Like you, you, you expect it to be a battle. You know what I mean? So when you do get these games where you go up three scores early, it's kind of a weird feeling. Like I think it's just human nature to kind of be a gr- a little bit more conservative, whether you're a player, whether you're a play caller, right? You look at the game differently, right? Maybe yeah. you're thinking going into this thing, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do, and then. You change it based off of what the score is. You say, okay, you know, maybe we don't have to do those things yet. Maybe we can save them. And then naturally you kind of always hit a little bit of a lull. And then it's, you know, you eventually get that adrenaline work back up to say, okay, guys, we got to go out there and finish this thing. I think the biggest, uh, maybe the biggest takeaway that I've had with this team really all season and it showed up again yesterday is their ability late in games when they have a lead and a chance to ice the game, uh, they've been doing it. This offense has been doing it. We saw it. uh, I think it was, gosh, I can't remember what game it was, you know, that they go on like a seven-minute drive to end the game, right? Uh, Yesterday, a a chance there late. Your defense gets a big stop on fourth down. Uh, Offense gets the ball back. You know, Saints still have two timeouts, three minutes or so left. You got to put a drive together. Uh, And they were able to go out there and do that and finish the game on offense, finish the game taking a knee, finish the game making a big play on third down, uh, you know, to, to to seal it. I think this offense has uh, been it's it's I admire the fact that they're able to do that because that's a quality of a good football team. When you have chances to make those plays, they've been making them pretty much all season long. You don't want to put your defense in a bind and say, sorry, guys, we're punted back. They got a minute 30 left, Uh you know go out there and get us one more stop. You don't yeah. want to do that. And this offense has been able to uh, finish the game and ice it out with the ball in their hands, I think is a is a uh, huge, it's a huge bonus. It's a huge positive right now about their uh, identity and, and the characteristic that, uh, of, that, of that offense, especially.
0: A lot for us to be able to talk about in this game, but let's talk about one of the areas that this team really needed to improve upon. And it's not like they went out there and lit it on fire, but they, they go out and sign Bruce Irvin he's on the practice squad they bring him up to the regular squad now all of a sudden in his first couple of plays he makes an impact with a sack how important is it for him to be effective he's not going to be a guy that gets 55 snaps a game yeah. he I think what he had 11 snaps
1: yeah uh, 11 maybe, 12 snaps yeah. whatever
0: it was it was it wasn't it wasn't a high percentage but it was highly effective
1: yeah, and I think that's what he was brought here for and I yeah. think he knows that. I mean, he's brought Bruce. You're getting 12 15 snaps a, a game, man, and when you go yeah. play, make an impact. And he did that yesterday. Um the sack was Uh, awesome, you know, uh, just a normal speed rush. And a lot of that's credited to Aiden Hutchinson on the other other side, making Derek Carr kind of step back and roll out the way he did. Um, But the bottom line is you finished, right? You got a guy that can finish. And, yeah, and, you know, how many times this year we talked about, oh, they're getting pressures, oh, they're getting close. Um, You know, pressures aren't an impact play in this game. They're just not. Quarterbacks are too good uh, to step out of the pocket, roll out, extend plays, uh you know that that can make you pay sacks are impact plays sacks are uh you know almost like a half a turnover especially when they come on a third down um if they come on a second down and now you're forcing the team into third and long i mean those are impact plays uh even the quarterback hit that i know he got penalized for uh you know he, you could tell his adrenaline was pumped up a little bit he hasn't played football in a long time yeah um I'm not condoning hurting people, but that was an impact play. I mean, he wasn't trying to hurt Derek Carr.
0: Right. The intention wasn't there.
1: The intention wasn't there. It wasn't a dirty play by any means. It is a penalty. They're gonna call that. That's been a point of emphasis. The initial hit was beautiful. It's just the landing part, right? The, the you gotta you know contort your body and spin and, and protect the other guy while you're trying to protect yourself. It's a tough play for these defensive guys. <laughs> Uh, I get that. But the initial hit, I mean, that's an impact play. I mean, he hits their car right as he's thrown. It's a beautiful hit. Ten years ago, that's a highlight level hit that everybody's showing on Monday morning all across TV. People are talking about. Uh, but unfortunately, now it's uh, it, it's, it's going to be a penalty. Um, but no, he's an impact guy. He's an impact guy. If he can continue to play that way. Much like what we saw, James Houston kind of start out last year where. You're going to play third downs, right? We're going to give you 12, 15, maybe 18 snaps a game. Uh, take advantage of them. Go out there and, and give us, you know, one, two, maybe three impact plays. Uh, it was good to see Bruce do that uh, on the first day that he's been back uh, in a long time playing football. And uh, hopefully his role can continue to grow. Uh, and hopefully he can, you know, keep making an impact because we know that this this defense right now, I kind of getting the pulse of a lot of fans – uh, there might be a little bit of panic going on, right? And I think a lot of that is, hey, the coverage and, you know, you let the Saints come back in the game. And certainly there were a lot of plays there where, you know, guys are running wide open. Well, the best thing, that the best friend to any guy in the secondary is a good pass rush. So if Bruce Irvin can continue to make an impact, especially on third downs, that's going to make all those other guys' jobs a whole lot easier. That's going to cover up some of the holes that you do have on defense right now.
0: And hopefully they get C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, James Houston probably a little bit later, but... Um, one of the things I did notice in this game, and not only is it a, a, a important for this year, but in the years to come, Brian Branch interception, Sam Laporta 140 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, you got Jamison Williams with the reverse; he seems to be coming on. Uh, you know, you've got so many different young guys. Jameer Gibbs, uh, another. Yeah. You know, couple of big plays. I wish, I wish he touched the ball more. And I don't. I know you and I talked on the morning show about. Maybe having a higher percentage in the backfield of handing the ball to Jameer Kibbs. I'm not as concerned about that as I am just total touches, whether it's handing him the ball, tossing him the ball, throwing him the ball. I think you special things can happen when the ball is in his hands. And, and I just wanted to see more of that, not necessarily just out of the backfield, because I think it was Montgomery had 18 carries. Yeah. Um, and again, I, mean, I like the ball in his hands too, especially when you're handing the ball. He can't do on the edge. Or in terms of catching the ball, what Jameer Gibbs can do, but he's really good between the tackles. Yeah, and that kind
1: of turned into one of those games early where you're up three scores, where you say, Powerful. you know what, let's just go with the, let's go with our hammer, let's go get the two, three yards, and uh, eventually break them for five, six, seven, eight, right? And I think that's kind of why you saw Montgomery get a heavier workload because he's that type of guy. Maybe they had uh, a big plan for Jameer Gibbs going in that game. And then you look up halfway through the first quarter and you're like, okay, I don't think we need that today. (laughs) All right. Maybe let's save that uh, for next week. Right. Um, So I I don't know what the plan was going in, but I'm with you. I I would like to see Jameer Gibbs get more active just in general. Um, We saw really the one designed throw to him that was the second to last drive, you know, they switched down a play action. Uh, you know, tried to throw back the screen. I think it was actually Sewell's little brother made a pretty good play on that to drop him for you know five yard loss. Yeah. Um, like to see a little bit more of that though. Whether it's the conventional screen game, that I mean, I think Lions maybe run one conventional if screen, not, just drop really back. You know, dump was. up. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's not a big part of their offense, but we don't see out a whole lot of. It. Yeah, there's a couple teams that are really good at it that, you know, like the Kansas City Chiefs have always been really, really good at running screens. They they detail the hell out of it. You know, they're usually pretty effective. I think that that can be a part of this Lions offense. And I'm not saying, you know, do 10 of them a game, but you throw a one in every uh, every game or two. You're making the defense think about it, at least. Yeah. Right. You're slowing down the pass because That helps your offensive line out, too. But I'd uh, like to see him get a little bit more involved. But you talk about the young players, John, and I just wanted to do this real quick. Just talking about guys that, you know, are in their first, second, or third year. Those are considered young players to me. Yeah, shoot, I in, this, in this in this league. That's what I'm saying though. Is you look at the guy, the roster of guys that they have either starting or making an impact, right? Jerry Jacobs in his third year. Brian Branch, we know, is a rookie, right? Jack Campbell, a rookie. Alee McNeil, third year. Aiden Hutchinson, second year. Uh, You go to the offensive side, Colby, Colby who started the last two games, probably going to play depending on Frank's availability, rookie, right? Panay Sewell, third year, Uh, Jamison Williams, second year, Amon Ra, right? Third year, Uh, Jameer Gibbs, we know rookie, Uh, Samuel Porta, rookie. Like you, you look at all these young guys that they have getting contribution, not even role player, starters on yeah. this team. Five of them are rookies. You know what I mean? And eight of them or nine of them are in their first or second year. I mean, it's still an incredibly young team. And I think the the part that you were kind of hinting at, the encouraging part, a lot of good production from those guys. You know what I mean? And they're not even anywhere close to being finished products yet. No. You look at Sam Laporta yesterday, nine catches, 140 yards getting in the end zone. I mean, there there ain't many right ends doing right. No. And, and Sam Laporta is not, Sam Laporta that we're even going to see a, a year from now or two. Imagine how much these guys are going to continue to get. That's the exciting part about this team is when you look at the youth that you're still playing with and the guys that you're asking a lot out of to go do it, do it in the NFL and do it all season and do it into the, in the December and find ways to get better. That's exciting for me, man. I'm watching a lot of young players contribute and I'm watching a lot of young players uh, play really damn good football. So I can't, I can't, even scrap this year, whatever happens the rest of this year, division, playoffs, I don't care. The future looks of this great. team looks really freaking good, right? The future of this team. And you combine that with the fact that they're nine and freaking three this year. You know what I mean? And we're all bitching, and we have the pleasure now of nitpicking. Oh, the defense kind of has some holes in it. Oh, the offense, blah blah blah, didn't do this. Oh, Jared Goff, no, oh, blah blah blah. They're winning football games, man. Like, that's what it comes down to. Like, when's the last time we had this feeling in Detroit, man? It is a beautiful feeling. It's a beautiful Monday. You're coming off a win. That there's always gonna be people that try to nitpick up little parts, and yeah, we yeah. should have blew them out. Oh, I wish we would have played this. Wish Who cares? This is a nine three football win. team. You got a chance to do something special this year. Even if you do something special this year, it looks like the next four, five years
0: you're going to have a, a chance to do
1: something fun. even more special than that. And I think that's why – I know I kind of sidetracked there we started talking that's about young I guys, am. but that's what gets me excited as a fan.
0: So uh, quick, uh, you mentioned you know, some of these things haven't happened in a long time. A little quick stat here. I don't expect you to know, uh, but I know you know who this guy is. Who is the? is – there's been six other players as rookie tight ends to have 140 yards and – one touchdown in a game as a rookie the last time it happened in 95 do you know who that was 95 it's, that's how long it's been since it's happened we've there's been a oh lot of great tight ends There's a lot of good tight ends in the league right now that weren't able to do what sam laporta did yesterday yeah um i mean 95 tony gonzalez no no it's uh it's the pride and joy of Brother Rice High School. Pete Mitchell? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, Pete Mitchell. Sunset, the Pete, greatest player. I didn't know played it up Rice. like that, man, his rookie year. Good
1: for you. Down with
0: Jacksonville,
1: I think that probably it was. was. Yeah, down with Jacksonville. Uh-huh. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, a little blessing. from company right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know that. So that's one. And here's another stat that, that blew my mind. I knew that he was in the realm of this, but yesterday – Amon Ross St. Brown passed Calvin Johnson for the most receiving yards in the first three years. And and to me, like, okay, we know what what Calvin did in his in his career and the the, the Hall of Famer that he is, yeah, or was. And in his prime too. Yeah. yeah. But are we somewhat underappreciating? Amon Rothman Brown, when you start to look at what he's been able to do in the first three years, and and we know he is the most reliable receiver that the Lions have. He's their number one target. He's their number one weapon on offense. He seems to always find a way to get open. We talk about him in glowing terms all the time, but when you put it in that context, like he started off his career better than the best wide receiver Detroit Lions have ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Underappreciating?
1: I don't think so. I think us fans appreciate the hell out of him. Um, yeah. You know, underrated? I mean, certainly he's usually not in the talk when you talk about the top receivers in the league, right? When you're he's talking about to be top five, right? But that's what I'm saying. Maybe a little bit. Uh, under uh you know undervalued uh, you know for the rest of the nfl because yeah. you, you get these lists all the time oh Devonte adams tyree kill jamar Chase you know what i mean justin jefferson these type guys uh that you're looking at when you say who's the best receivers Amon ross certainly has the uh, stack compete with those guys i th- think you know he's just for me it's it's like a just a model of consistency you know what i mean like the expectations are high for Aminra and he just kind of meets them every game. You know what I mean? And even yesterday, probably a whole home game, game Two, you know, I think it was 40 some yards got in the end zone with the, with the nice run after the catch. Um, But he's just kind of, he's Mr. Consistency. Like, you know what you're getting out of him. You know what I mean? He's never going to give you a game where you're just like, man, disappointed or not right oh man just wish we could have got and certainly yeah with yesterday anytime you have a receiver like that you want to try to get him the ball probably yeah. more than two times um but you know i i just he is a um he's a catalyst at that offense man i mean he is the engine that makes that thing go whether it's the run game whether it's the pass game it, no, no matter what it is i mean he is the guy only in his third year now yeah uh, that guys on that offense look to, right? When he's rolling, man, when he plays, when he's got that emotion going, uh, that's contagious to the rest of the rest of the team, uh, in my opinion. So I don't underappreciate him. I know that. Um, sometimes, you know, these guys that y- you get used to it. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. what we're at now. I think you, you just get used to uh, the plays he makes because that's what he does. And that's what we've seen for three years now. So, maybe taking for granted would be a better term <laughs> because yeah. you don't, you know, that's, you, you that's realize, true. you realize you got a guy that uh, is a hell of a player and you just kind of expect him to, to go out there and just do what he does. And he does. Um, but man, he is, uh, he's a special player. He's a lot of fun to watch too. He's an emotional guy. Um, yesterday after the, the game, game <laughs> he loves football. That's all he is. He's all football. And, um, I, I'm and I don't underappreciate you like John does. I appreciate <laughs> the hell out of you, <laughs> and uh, you know certainly might not uh, want to take that guy for granted because uh, man, he is a special player. And like you said, the stats—I mean, first three years going over a thousand, I think each year. Yeah, uh, If I'm not mistaken, I think the first year um, might
0: have been just under a thousand. Oh, you're right. I think it was like
1: 997 yeah. or something that he finished yeah. with, but yeah. at least um, I know the stats. Yeah. I mean, just a model of consistency, man. Yeah. Just a hell of a player, hell of a pick from Brad Holmes, too. Yeah. I mean, going, um, you know, middle rounds of the draft, find a guy like that.
0: And before we go, the only other thing, the only other big thing I think happened in that game was Frank Ragnall had to be helped off the field. What are you hearing? What was uh, initially, it didn't look good, didn't sound good. What are you hearing from Alan Park in regards to how long or if, if Frank will be out?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as, as of you know, Monday morning, um, you know, people, I think there's optimism, um, you know, that maybe they More avoided something. Done, yeah, the, that I think there's optimism that they avoided uh, anything uh, catastrophic. Um, you know, so if I had to say with my gut right now, I would say uh, hopefully it's going to be a week to week type deal. Uh, you know, and Frank's no stranger to you know, yeah, battling it out you know. through injuries. Uh, it did scare me the way he kind of sat on the field. It looked like he kind of knew something was wrong. Um, sometimes, you know, like you said, after the game, you know, we we got two the two sets of news, you know, the first news was not so good. And then the other one was, you know, Better. not as not good. Right? <laughs> you know, I think the way you put it, um, they're going to find out today. I'm sure coach will talk Monday afternoon and probably give an update, but um it sounded like there was optimism that uh, that he might've avoided anything, uh, you know, that, that would potentially cost the rest of the season. So um, hopefully that's good news. Hopefully that's some good news we get on this Monday uh, as we head into bear week in Chicago. We know these division games are always kind of goofy. We obviously saw it a couple weeks ago when the bears came to town. So I know we'll talk more about it later this week uh, about this matchup coming up, but John, I got a good feeling about this team, man. It's good to see them bounce yeah. back. You know what I mean? It's good to see them bounce back. This team, the last uh, 22, 23 games, uh, has not dropped back-to-back games. And actually, John, do you know, coming off a loss during that span, they've gone on to win at least three in a row after a loss. So hopefully hopefully that's an identity. Hopefully that's a characteristic that we can, uh, we can see starting this week again with the Bears.
0: Well, we've talked about this before in, in terms of quarters. Dan Campbell brought it up at the beginning of the year. Three and one, first quarter. Three and one second quarter, three and one one. third quarter. Now we're hitting to that fourth quarter. If they can go three and one in the fourth quarter and go into that final game against Minnesota, 12 and four, I mean, to me, that's. If we had talked like we did the schedule thing at the beginning of the season, I thought it was 11 wins. I can't remember. I know, I think you were I at, was like at 10, 12. but yeah. But then we talked the my schedule, way into 12. I talked my way into 12, know, <laughs> <laughs> But um, you
1: know what, too, and and I played for Mike McCarthy. You know, really good coach. Obviously, what he's doing in Dallas. The one he used to preach was, "We don't talk about the playoffs until we get to 10 wins." Yeah, get to 10 wins, we can start talking about that. We can start. Uh, you know, dreaming up scenarios, whatever we want to do. But we don't talk about it before we get to 10 wins. Lions got a chance this week to get to yeah. 10 wins.
0: And I talked to Dan about that a couple of weeks ago, and, and I loved his answer was, like, we got to talk about where we want to go. Like We want to go to the playoffs. We want to win the division. So it's okay to talk about here's what we've got to continue to do to win the division. We win the division. Obviously, we're going to host a playoff game. Now, when you get there, when you get to 10 wins, it becomes a little bit more real, 11, 12. Now you're starting to talk about you know, first-round home game, second-round possibility. Um, and we'll, we'll as we get towards the end of the season, we'll start talking about a little bit more about that. I think the first uh, one seed uh, has sailed. Uh, it's still possible possible get to that number two spot so again we'll talk about Uh, you 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 know what's crazy that you say that i did the
1: little playoff predictor yesterday yeah if the philadelphia eagles and the niners lose this week and the bears win the lions will be sitting in the one
0: seat no they won't
1: yes they will because the eagles will have three losses two of them are nfc would be nfc teams um and the san fran san fran's nine and three so they would be nine and four Lines would be 10 and 3. I so John, I looked it up yesterday. Trust me, I went in the whole full nerd mode and I was like, Well, let's see, you know, what do lines have to do? It. I uh, promise you, if the Niners and the Eagles both lose, so I think we're kind of be- Not, I'm not expecting it to happen, right. but I'm just saying, the so I'm have just Dallas, saying, right? Eagles have Dallas and I think the Niners have s- Seattle, so that's a division game. I mean, you never yeah. know, right? You never right. know, right? right? We saw it with Green Bay, we saw it with Chicago. I mean, you never yeah. know. Yeah. That's like six. I said, yeah. I'm not yeah. expecting it to happen, okay. But I'm telling you, there's a chance. There you, so there's <laughs> I'm a telling chance. you, there's a chance. All right, hey, uh,
0: we'll hopefully this week we'll be able to give you one at the end of the week. Uh, we'll give you an update on what what the situation is with Frank. Right now, all the injuries, as well as what we think is going to happen uh, as this team heads to uh, their only cold game uh, of the year. And that's uh, in Soldier Field in Chicago. Thanks for listening. to this.